auto dealers. Are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, July 25th, 2022. I'm Callan Walker. Jamie's out today. On today's show, we've got the behind-the-scenes drama on the Herbert Deese ouster from VW. GM could have as many as 30 EV models on sale in the U.S. by 2026. And Tesla gets a second subpoena over Elon's tweets. Plus, the UAW's convention is this week, and there's a lot at stake in the wake of the union's massive corruption scandal. We'll hear from a labor expert about what to expect and why it matters. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. We told you late last week about the CEO Herbert Deese's departure from Volkswagen Group. We're now learning that the move wasn't as mutual as the automaker made it sound in its announcement. Bloomberg reports that the combative CEO's backing from the billionaire Porsche and Piash family began to crumble a week ago, which set his ouster in motion. Unwavering support from the family, which owns a majority of VW, had helped Deese survive frequent clashes with powerful worker representatives. But as key project failures combined with worker discontent, the family concluded that he had to go. The decisive day was July 20th. According to people familiar with the deliberations, spokespeople for VW declined to comment on the events leading up to Deese's dismissal. Porsche boss Oliver Bloom will take over Deese's role. We have much more on the story at autonews.com. General Motors could have as many as 30 electric vehicles on sale in the U.S. before 2026. But the shift doesn't necessarily spell the end of most internal combustion models. GM has said it will invest $35 billion in electric and autonomous vehicle development through 2025. CEO Mary Barra promised to launch 30 EVs globally through the same year. The automaker could beat that goal if EV rollouts go as anticipated. Beyond that time frame, GM also is working with Honda to co-develop affordable electric crossovers they expect to begin selling in large numbers in 2027. GM executives have reiterated that they will follow market demand as they plot the EV rollout plan and will continue to invest in gasoline-powered offerings. Though forecasters say most planned facelifts for current vehicles will be minor. You may have been hearing a lot about the drama in Tesla CEO Elon Musk's life in the past couple of days. Here's a bit of Elon drama that's not getting much attention. Tesla has received a second subpoena from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission over Musk's 2018 tweets about taking the company private. The EV maker disclosed the subpoena in a regulatory filing today. The company said it received the subpoena June 13th and will cooperate with the government authorities. The regulator did not respond to Reuters' request for comment. In November last year, the regulator had subpoenaed Tesla related to a settlement requiring Musk tweets on material information to be vetted. In 2018, Musk settled a lawsuit by the regulator over his go-private tweets. 
He agreed to let the company's lawyers pre-approve tweets with material information about the company. And Toyota will not unilaterally press its suppliers for lower prices for the second half of its fiscal year. It's also considering supporting their energy bills. The move reinforces an attempt by the world's largest automaker to shoulder more of the burden faced by suppliers as global supply chain woes continue and energy costs soar. Toyota initially sent out a request for lower prices for the July through September period to some suppliers. But the company decided not to make a request to cover the October through March period since its production plan has yet to stabilize. It also didn't make a request for the April through June period. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll take a look at the UAW's big convention this week with Cornell University labor expert Arthur Wheaton. That's next on Daily Drive. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. It's a huge week for the UAW, a union that's still reeling from its massive corruption scandal. The UAW will hold its constitutional convention in Detroit, setting in motion its elections for new leadership. This comes less than a week after court-appointed monitor Neil Borofsky said current union leaders have been uncooperative in efforts to root out corruption. He described a months-long effort to obstruct and interfere with his office's investigations. With all that in backdrop, our own Jamie Butters caught up with Cornell University labor expert Arthur Wheaton to preview this week's convention and talk about what's at stake for the union and its future. Here's their conversation. Arthur Wheaton, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you for having me. We're looking ahead to the UAW convention in Detroit. It looks like it's going to be different from any other UAW convention that has preceded it, at least certainly in the 20-some years I've been here in Detroit. Historically, these were like a a coronation for the leadership slate. Now it seems like it's going to be more like the the start of uh, campaign season or something. What, What are you anticipating for this week ahead? I think you described it pretty well, that this is going to be a nomination process 
you have to keep in mind for the UAW for the last however many years, the membership has only had any kind of voice every four years. So these constitutional conventions is a chance for their delegates to be able to talk. And in this particular case, they're trying to see how that system of delegates and the election and voting for the representatives is gonna change. So this is a, a big start on a new process. It really is a whole new process. And it seems like we don't know much about it yet. Is there a timeline or a voting mechanism? Are they gonna do it online or in locals? Is, is any of that known or is it all gonna get hashed out uh, at the convention? I have not heard anything being officially released that it's all been hashed out, but that doesn't mean the monitor doesn't have a good idea of what that process will be. It's also quite possible that they're waiting until the convention to be able to get any other feedback in. According to the, the bylaws or the rules for the UAW Constitution, they were supposed to submit all of their proposals six weeks in advance. So they should have put in all of their proposals sometime in June, and then they will vote on some of those proposals and discuss them at the convention. But I think most of what they're going to talk about has been discussed. Nothing I don't think has been decided. Okay. So it, it is funny because, yeah, we call it a, I think we call it a constitutional convention. Usually it's more, right, more like an election or like almost a coronation. And this time it, it kind of really is a constitutional convention. They're really deciding the rules of the election process, or at least they will be around this time. That's so it's exciting and it's interesting and it's just it's it's different from anything we've seen before. Can new people still be nominated? Can people nominate themselves next week on the convention floor or at the event? From my understanding of the bylaws, they were supposed to have nominations six weeks before the convention. So whether they would have some sort of vetting process or accumulating other information that they may need but that doesn't mean that for this particular convention they won't allow new names since it's the first one but four years from now for the next one i think there will be a six weeks advance notice for the names to be submitted but they may not have finalized that for this first convention interesting so of course the big change one of the big changes right is uh Every member gets a vote uh, instead of just their their delegates or their local leaders uh, making the votes. But is it just the president that they're voting on or do they pick the individual vice presidents? Do they vote only for their own vice president? It seems like if you're a Ford worker, should you get to vote on who the GM vice president's going to be? I don't think they have that completely worked out yet. In the past, the international president and the executive board assigned who they wanted to each of the individual units. And even that could be a surprise because they didn't have to work or have any experience with that company to make them change. I know for the 1980s, they had Don Eflin, who was a vice president every single year for General Motors. But at the last minute, the international president said, no, we want you to do Ford for this contract. So mm -hmm. that even that process in the past hasn't required any extensive knowledge for that particular company. And I think all of the positions for the executive board are open for nomination. I don't think any of those positions are guaranteed. In the past, 
they may have been assigned or part of the Ruther caucus and everybody had a coronation coming in as you described. But now I think all of those positions could be done by secret ballot and not just voted on the delegates at the convention. Be very interesting. What might the campaigning look like? Is that something that, I mean, of course, we haven't really seen campaigning much before. I mean, occasionally an upstart candidate or try an opposition slate might try to be offered. And But social media is such a bigger part of society now. I guess I'm suspecting that for a big spread out union like the UAW, that would be a main tool. Although, you know, we've seen other union campaigns, the teams, I can recall Teamsters campaigns where presidential candidates toured the country and they went and they, you know, shake hands with people on their way in and out of uh, shifts. I think you're going to see a combination of that. And with the one person, one vote, they're going to have to make sure they do get around to at least talk to some of the other sectors. Because if you want to win executive board or the international president, it's not just those at GM, Ford and Chrysler. Now you have to make sure you're talking to the people that work for the state of Michigan, people that are working in the the journalists and graduate assistants and casino workers and John Deere, whoever else that you have out there, you're going to need to make sure you get significant numbers of votes. But I think with social media and with Zoom and other Facebook, I think there will be a lot of uh, instant media where they can get a chance through social media or through video conference to have large scale events and probably debates in the future for who should be the elected official. So that could be cool. Yeah, you could have uh, virtual town halls and everything. I mean, one of the things that I think is a challenge, uh, certain for us, for me as an outsider, and I think possibly even for the leadership to a certain extent, is just getting really a feel uh, for the mood of the members. And what's your sense of what people want? What are their top issues uh, heading into this next four-year cycle? A lot of concerns for job security, which is not unusual. (laughs) For the auto sector, it is the transition to electric vehicles. And are they going to build them in the U.S.? Are they going to be at joint ventures as opposed to being at the Detroit Three? And the joint venture, is it going to be unionized or not? Is it going to be in the right to work south so that they're trying to avoid a union? Is it going to be at the same pay or is it going to be at a two or a three-tier pay? Those are a lot of big issues that they're facing from the membership. And the other major issue is also very common is wages. So we've seen over 9% inflation rate, and they may be expecting to get a significant bump in that pay. But as you know, it's tough to negotiate that big of a pay increase because it isn't just for one year, it's for the entire length of the contract. So as you start increasing those costs, they stick around for a while. So it's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy bargaining, but they're going to get a chance to vote on who they think will make the best decisions. And more than any other thing, it's going to be a democratic choice where they're going to get to vote on the people with every member, one member, one vote, as opposed to just having their delegate make the decision on behalf of the membership. And the delegates were never required to do what their members asked them to. (laughs) There wasn't much accountability in the old system, which, of course, uh, may have led to uh, or helped feed, you know, some of the corruption that 
uh, led to several UAW officials uh, going to prison, some of them getting out fairly early, but it's, I mean, nobody would want that for, for their careers. Uh, just recently, Monitor Neil Borofsky came out with a, maybe not scathing, but a, a pretty darn harsh report about opening more investigations into possible corruption, his frustration at the lack of transparency among the leadership right now. What's your reaction to that report and how do you think that will play out among the members? It's tough that it's hard to win back trust. And right now it's a matter of whether the monitor can actually get the information that they need to make a decision that's good for the entire organization. And during an election process, you also become a little skeptical about sharing too much information that could be used against you during an election year. So it's also a tough process. How much dirty laundry do you want to share just before you're trying to run for re-election? That's also possible. I think they cleaned house for the most part. I have not heard too many more indictments down the road. I haven't heard a lot of lengthy problems that have expanded over the last six months. But you're right, they caught a few. But out of an organization of almost 400,000 people, we're still talking less than two dozen. Okay, so we're we're starting to run out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you one other sort of thought piece because you're a you're a big thinker. Labor is having a moment, right? I and mean, we're seeing organizing that we've never seen before. You know, Starbucks, uh, some Amazon wins. You know, there's a real demand for labor and. You know, but the UAW, is it is it really a part of that movement or is it apart from that movement? Is there any of that zeitgeist that's going to be infusing these talks? And like you said, really look like they're going to shape up to be pretty challenging talks. I mean, automakers are profitable, but they're facing huge, huge expenses for the conversion to EVs. And of course, the union, those EVs may not take as many workers. What are battery plant jobs going to pay? So much uh, challenging things to work out. How does the overall political economic environment play into that? I think the UAW is going to benefit from the good feelings about unions. We're at about a 50-year high or 60-year high for the favorable ratings for unions. I think a Gallup poll had it at like 68% positive feelings about unions. So that will certainly benefit the UAW. That's pretty much a record high from the 60s. Uh, the 1960s. So I think they will benefit from that. I think they've made good contracts at the the GM supplier uh, base. I think Terry Dittus did a fantastic job of avoiding a last minute strike and getting significant gains at their contract. I think they made good gains at John Deere for their contracts. And I think they will continue to have the support of the community, recognizing that good jobs in the U.S. is important. Well, we'll talk again, I'm sure, when these uh, contract negotiations get underway. They promise to be very interesting. Arthur Wheaton, Director of Labor Studies, Cornell University, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Arthur Wheaton is the Director of Labor Studies at Cornell University. He spoke with our own Jamie Butters. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the UAW's Constitutional Convention, automotive leadership changes, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look at why small town auto plants are struggling to find workers. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.